0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you.
1: I'm glad to be here with you today, and let us read the word of the Lord. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty the according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirit of the world, and not according to Christ, and uh, not according to Christ. working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and, this, and the uncircumcision of the flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of the dead that stood against us with the, its legal demand. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them and him.
0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. You guys can go and have a seat. All right. Hey, not a bad day in church so far, huh? That's awesome. So many good things going on. Uh, this this is why we do all in Sundays periodically. We do them every Every three months or so. Um, And what we want to do, especially, is anytime you kids are in the room, there's there. I just want you to let you know. So if you're like in elementary school or even younger this morning, I want you to know you have something in you. That, that we as adults need to get around every now and then. There, there's this childlike faith that hasn't been kind of tainted or tarnished by what adulthood does to you, that, that we need to see God doing a work in you as part of this church family. You, you are part of the church family, uh, just, just the same that all the adults are part of this church family. You may be smaller, but you don't have a smaller version of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen? meant. So, you guys have a faith. You guys have gifts. You have things that we need as part of the church family. And so part of what we want to do in All on Sunday is just get us all together and say, yeah, kids, uh, you're not just a sidecar to what happens here. You, you are very much a part of the church family doing what the church family does. And we are thrilled to have you with us. The other thing that I think this provides an excellent opportunity for is for you parents to just model what going to church looks like. Uh, It is kind of strange that if we would go uh, our whole 18 years with our kids, always sticking them in kids ministry and never sitting beside them in church, uh, that would be a bit strange. Kids should see what it looks like to have somebody who loves Jesus wholeheartedly, who engages with the Spirit of God during worship, who engages with the Spirit of God during the message. And so, man, part of this, parents, is your chance to just show your kids what church looks like. Because there there is more that will be caught than than can be taught. You know what I'm saying? Like they will catch your faith probably better in some circumstances than you can teach them faith. So they need to see it in you. And that's part of what this is. Part of what this is also is just, uh, man, we want to remember and celebrate. Because remembering and celebrating the good things that God has done uh, was a vital part of what God was doing in the Old Testament. If you follow Israel's story at all, you'll quickly see that the, all the feasts and festivals they did was the continual reminder for Israel, hey, don't forget, God's done some awesome stuff in and among you, and so don't neglect it. And so this is part of what we're doing is just gathering and saying, man, we got some things to celebrate. We're going to do some baptisms here in a little bit. I've, I've got like, I don't know, 10 minutes to preach a sermon, and then we're going to do, do like eight baptisms. So I'm going to do my best, um, and we're going to jump right into it, all right? So hey, um, we are all caught up in a battle. I think we're aware of this. And I think you see some of this as we read the passage here in Colossians 2, that that there is a battle going on. Paul uses words like, don't be taken captive. And Jesus who has triumphed over the enemy. This is wartime language. We're all caught up in a war. And I think we're all drawn to the idea of battle, of good versus evil. Uh, I mean, you just look no further than Star Wars, for example, which happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? There, There was the Jedi versus the Sith, and they're battling each other, good versus evil for the universe. Same thing's happening in the Avengers story, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? You, you have, man, can't let Thanos win. Otherwise, he's going to snap and just turn all of us to dust. Amen? <laughs> right? I mean, you have that. You have Lord of the Rings. You have Clash of Clans, for goodness sakes, where, where you and your homies, you're all in a clan together, and you're going to go, and you're going to fight, and you're going to fight and beat somebody else's clan. Like, we're just drawn to this idea of battle. I think sports, largely, are just controlled battle. When you think about it, like, it's just, we put rules to battle to make sure the people don't die, but, I mean, we, we, we have rules in battle. Uh, like, I'm playing softball with some of my buddies this summer, and, and we're playing against, against other churches in the community, and so, make no mistake, like, I will pray for it and I will bless the other churches this community, but when we get up there for softball, I'm going I'm to try and crush you, you know what I'm saying? Like, a, like it's go time. Let's, let's go, Foundations. Where are you at? Come on. Like, I'm coming for you guys. Our team's not that good, though, so we're probably going to get rolled, but anyways, um... <laughs> We'll do our best to represent Good Shepherd, guys, but no promises. (laughs) There's this idea of of battle, and I think the reason we're drawn to trying to best or trying to conquer um, is because we all are aware spiritually that we are caught up in a battle. Um, I, think, I think even on a weekend like this, we, we feel the effects of battle, right, as it's Memorial Day weekend. And, and I just want to say for all of you who have uh, maybe lost friends in service, uh, you've lost family in service, um, from, from all of us here at Good Shepherd Church, we just want to extend our gratitude, our, a deep, heartfelt gratitude to you guys um, who have lost family members. And obviously, we think of those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, laying their life down to preserve the country that we have. Amen? Like battle, it's It's real. We feel it, and simultaneously, we're we're caught in one ourselves. We're caught in this spiritual battle. Um, Paul says, "See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit." Uh, What Paul's getting at here is there is this battle, one that we're fighting. Uh, We battle three battles primarily. We battle battles against the world. Uh, So the world that we're living in is not filled with things that were created evil. But we have, because we are filled with sin, we have, we have gone and ran to, to find value, to find meaning, to find comfort in the things of this world. And what we've done is we've made idols out of the things that God made, even though God did not make them bad. You probably, probably feel this most with money, with mammon. It is not money that is the root of all kinds of evil. It is not a problem to have a lot of money. What is a problem is for you to love money, to give your heart over to money. Because the problem is, when you have a love for money, that is the root of all kinds of evil. It's one of the most misquoted verses, I think, maybe of all time. I think money is the root of all evil. No, no, no. It's the love. When 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 you have your heart set on that, and you've made worship to something that is not God. And that's what we do with the world. We're caught up in this battle of the world we're living in, where the things of this world, because of sin, we're getting pulled to fall in love with things like alcohol, things like money, all these different, maybe relationships, things that aren't in and of themselves inherently evil, but we turn to them to make them more than what they actually are. The other battle we're in is a battle against the devil. And we've talked about this, I mean, over the last few weeks, I feel like we've talked about this for a long time, that, that the, the heir, C.S. Lewis says, the heir that you can make as a Christian uh, is on two sides of the same coin. You can make too much of the devil and you can give him all the attention and he doesn't, he doesn't need that. Or you can make too little of him and give him no attention. He's certainly more real than that. So we are caught in this battle with the enemy. Uh, but ultimately, those two things, the world and the enemy, are really just, uh, they're sort of exacerbating a battle that's in us, a battle of our own flesh. So you, you're not going to be able to get to the end of time, be able to say, well, the devil made me do it. The devil may have tempted you, he may have lied to you, he may have accused you, but you did that. We're going to each have to give an account for the things that we did. And we're caught up in this battle, and what Paul's addressing here in Colossians 2 chapter 8 is this battle of the flesh, not in so much the things that we desire, but in the things that we think. How many of you know there's a battle going on for your mind right now? Seeing as I read the biblical narrative, what I see is not a battle. We, uh, sometimes I think we like to reduce the Bible down to it's a battle between God and the devil. How many of you know, like, that ain't how it plays out when you read the story in Scripture. Lucifer throws a rebellion in heaven. God just like, nah, and kicks him out. Not much of a fight. The devil gets Adam and Eve to sin. He, he doesn't make them sin, but he tempts them to sin. Amen? So he tempts them to sin, and what does he say? Uh, I'm going to crush your head one day. And then with Jesus, he delivers that crushing blow. And and right now we're in this time where the devil's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, he's been defeated, but he's not dead and gone forever. And, and, And ultimately what's going to happen, if you read the last book, if you read Revelation, you're going to see that Jesus comes back. He's going to have a sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to be sitting on a white horse. He's going to have some tattoo on his thigh and his coat's going to be dripped in blood. Come on, somebody. And he's going to say to the devil once and for all, he's going to say, no, it's over. It's not even a fight. You see what I'm saying? He just says, it's done. You're finished. Go home. So the battle is not around God and the devil. The battle is against our heart, our soul, where we're going to give our worship, where we're going to give our affection. One of the battlegrounds where that takes place is in our mind. He says, he says, man, you got to protect the thinking. He says, don't be taken captive. I love that. Don't be taken somewhere where you don't want to go. It's strong language from the apostle Paul. He says, don't let this grab you. Don't let this pull you off of where you're destined to go. And he says, what, what, what's being promised is this empty deceit in verse 8. How many know the, the world, like Paul is writing this to the church in Colossae, but the world is filled with this right now, where we are being, we're being led to try and believe something that's going to over-promise, but under deliver. Where we're saying, oh, you're going to find life here. You're going to find significance here. You're going to find value here. And Apostle Paul says, no, you are going to find, you're going to find all those things in Christ, in Christ alone. And so I think the, the next question becomes, once you recognize that we're in a battle, is like, well, then how do we win? How do we win? Well, you win by, by playing on team Jesus. Look what it says in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses. So can I just ask you, how was the battle going before Jesus? And you were dead you were dead in your trespasses. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. So your sin, my sin had legal demands. The, The punishment, the wages for sin are death. That's what it cost. And so Jesus uh, does not just, or God himself, does not just cancel sin by just saying, well, it's insignificant. No, he he pays for it. He pays the bill. How? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, that Jesus in his perfect sinless life came, lived, and died, was buried, then resurrected, triumphing over the sin, so that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Amen? (laughs) Amen. And so now you and I, even though we do have this sinful past, even though you have things that are in your past that are pretty shady, if we can be honest, what God sees now when he sees you is the righteousness of Christ because he died on the cross and he has now given that, credited that righteousness to your account so that when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. This is the good news. And that in and of itself, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection from the grave, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. I love that word triumph. I think we miss what that language would have meant to some of the readers in its original day, that that idea of triumph would have been the picture of a conquering king going and, and defeating his enemy and then parading his enemy back through his own town. And, and so this is, this is what it looks like when we say God took what the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for good. So he's taking the devil's best schemes, he's taking his best shots, and he's flipping them for his glory. Amen? And so this is this is where we now go, okay, so how do I how do I fight? God's God's won. He's this warrior who's already, he's already set it all up. How do I how do I participate in the fight? And I think what we what we like amount the battle to be in church is we think it's with these big adrenaline filled moments. And I love big adrenaline-filled moments. I-, I love I love, like go big when you kids come on up in this room and we're gonna teach you guys about the Bible for a few days and there's gonna be a day where we're gonna ask you if you wanna stand and you wanna follow Jesus with all your heart and there's gonna be kids who stand up and they say, I want to follow him. Adrenaline-filled moment. And it's awesome and it's worth celebrating. Desperation conference for some of your students, some of your parents. You need to get your kids signed up because there are gonna be adrenaline-filled moments of desperation and you're gonna, the, the pastor's gonna come up there and he or she's gonna say this word and your kid's gonna be sitting there like, oh my gosh, they're talking about me. And then they're gonna run down to the altar and they're gonna surrender their life to Jesus. Adrenaline filled moment. It's awesome. There are gonna be people who get baptized today and they're gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna go through the outward expression of an inward reality that they have died, buried, and then now been resurrected to new life in Christ. Adrenaline filled moment. But can I tell you something? Adrenaline doesn't win seasons of your life. And what we need, the key to winning in this battle is a walk, a walk where we make war against the enemy. That's what Paul says when he opens this passage up in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. We use a lot of next steps language here. And it's because of this picture right here, where we think that that your relationship with Jesus is best lived out on a walk with him, where you're continually evaluating what are the next steps that I need to take with Jesus? What are the next steps that I need to incorporate in my life? For some of you, you don't own your own Bible. Your next steps would be getting a Bible. A lot of you own a Bible. Your next steps would be reading your Bible, right? (laughs) Come on, read your Bible. Some of you got kids. Your next step would be just opening up a a devotional with them every day. Some of you don't pray. You need to just sit there in the morning and your next step needs to be saying some prayer that goes like this. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Like there's all kinds of next steps. Maybe you need to get away from the gossip that you've been participating in. Maybe you just need to confess a sin. You you can get so convinced that you are fighting this sin on your own and it's affecting nobody else. It's just you and it's no big deal. Uh, Can I just say to you, that sin needs to be brought into the light where you and some friends, after you confess it with some people that you trust, can put a bullet in that sin. You can kill that thing and you can continue to walk in the light. Don't fight the darkness in the dark. Get it into the light. Some of you, that's your next step. Some of your next step is, is baptism. And I want to talk for just a few minutes on baptism here because I think it's the next step we, we, we mess up sometimes. We, we get it misconstrued in our mind with what it really is because it is this awesome adrenaline-filled moment, but water baptism is just a public declaration of something that's happened personally already. So there's three kinds of baptism that happened in scripture. There's a personal baptism, and that's when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are now baptized into him. This is what the word baptism means. It means to be put into or to be placed into, to be submerged in. A personal baptism is all it takes to go to heaven, by the way. You confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord is how you will get to heaven. This is the thief on the cross. He didn't need to get water baptized. He, he to that day, they didn't bring him off the cross and then baptize him and then put him back up on the cross and so then he could go that day to be with Jesus in paradise. That's not how it played out. But water baptism then is the second kind of baptism. It's a, it's a baptism that you take public. First one's personal, this one's public. This is when you get in the water and we immerse you because baptism by immersion is the only way that it happened in the New Testament. That's how Jesus himself was baptized, dunked into the water, brought out. So we, we have a public baptism that we're going to talk just a little bit more about today. But then the third one, I'm not going to spend any time on this, but there's a baptism of power, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if that phrase is loaded for you, if that phrase is mysterious to you, you've never heard it before, I just encourage you, I don't have the time today. We've already been over that, right? I don't have the time today. Kent preach that message the third week of January. it will be very helpful for you. Baptism of power. But the baptism, water baptism, here's, here's what I want to say. Um, there are verses like this in Acts 2, 38 and 39, where, where Peter gives a sermon. And it, apparently it's a good sermon. Like, like I've been preaching now for a little while. Peter gives a sermon like 3,000 people come to know the Lord. That was a pretty good day in ministry. You know what I'm saying? It says, Peter said this to them, repent and be baptized. How many of them? Every one. Get baptized in the, name, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the Holy Spirit for the promises, promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord, our God, calls to himself. And with many other words, Peter is talking, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word and were baptized, received his word, and then were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. Uh, church, you got to know, it was the pattern when people believed and received that Jesus is Lord and Savior, they were baptized. And so there's two things on this. There's some of you, maybe, maybe you just recently made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you want to make that decision today. And you want to make that personal decision to follow after Jesus. And then you want to take that decision public. And I want to invite you, you can get baptized today. But there's so many others of you who have been following Jesus for a long time and you've never been baptized and for you, I just want you to honestly, in your seat, evaluate. Here's my reasons. Be intellectually honest today. Here's why I haven't been baptized. I don't wear the right clothes to church. We've got clothes. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, this hair didn't just happen this morning, right? I don't want to mess that up. I don't, I don't know what your reason is. Maybe it's a lot dip, deeper than that. Maybe it's embarrassing. Maybe your story's filled with some shame. Don't dismiss what God might do through your story with you getting baptized. It's not going to save you you're already going to heaven. But just think about the ministry that could happen with your testimony going public. For some of you, like the, on the flip side of that, there's some people that I think uh, get baptized multiple times. And here's a quick story. I don't have any time for it, but here it goes. I, I had a girl in my youth group who got baptized and I was just so excited as the youth pastor. I was like, oh my gosh, a high schooler wants to take a next step for Jesus. She wants to get baptized. Um, and I neglected the fact that in the New Testament, We have a lot of instances of baptism. Nobody ever gets baptized twice. Nobody ever gets baptized twice. And she got up in the water and she's like, well, this is my fourth time getting baptized. And I was like, okay, oh, is that a problem? Like she's making a next step. She's making a decision for Jesus. Here's why it is a problem. Because if if you think that every time you go wayward for a season, every time you think that you need to level up in your faith a little bit, you need to turn to the baptism waters. You misunderstand the fight that we're in folks. We're in a fight of a daily walk, a daily walk. Adrenaline's not going to win the war for you. Like, so you need this daily rooted obedience uh, to get baptized multiple times. Most oftentimes in a marriage today, the the wedding ceremony and the actual marriage happen at the exact same time. But how many of y'all know you can get married at the courthouse, then you can have the ceremony where you take that decision public, right? To get baptized multiple times would be the equivalent of saying, well, honey, we had a fight. I think we ought to stand up in front of everyone and get married again. No, like, listen, if, if you've drifted for a while, I don't want to neglect that. You don't need to get baptized again. What you maybe need to do is make a harder decision to confess some sin to press into some rhythms that you aren't too proud of right now. Maybe there are other things that you need to do, but but getting baptized for a second, third, fourth time, you're trying to be sustained off adrenaline. And what you need is you need some daily substance in your life. The third thing that I want all of us to note is that in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, uh, Jesus says, "'Go, therefore all authority has been given unto me. "'Go, therefore make disciples of all nations.'" baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's this call, I think, in the Great Commission that who should be baptizing people? All of us. All of us. Like, it's not just the pastor's roles to be baptizing people. We'll, I'll baptize people all day. I'm going to baptize my son here in just a little bit, and it's going to be awesome. But But here's what I want you to think about your job as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you would get up in that water and you would look at your friend's face. You would look at your coworker's face. You would look at that family member's face and you would watch them after they've made the decision to give their life to Jesus. You would put them down in the water and be the first person to see that face coming out, participating in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's on us. That's on us. So if you've been baptized, my challenge to you is who is it that's in your life that you want to baptize? And man, start praying for that person. Start loving on that person. Start serving that person. I don't know what your next step is, church, but we all have one. We all have one. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to sing a few worship songs and then we are going to baptize about eight people or so. Our service is probably going to go just a few minutes over and I'm sorry, but I'm not apologizing. So would you pray with me? stand, actually, as we pray. God, you are so good, and I thank you for the things that you're doing in and through this family. God, we pray that, I pray that you would meet somebody right where they're at today. And if there's somebody in this moment who wants to just say, God, I am yours and surrender to you and confess their sin and believe in their heart that you are God, that you died in their place and that you were raised to new life for their victory over sin in the grave. Jesus, would they just confess that before you today? We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen.